Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. My name is Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are giving some of our advice to new musicians. Yeah. So uh, whether you're literally starting for the first time um, on an instrument or um, as a performer, or you're trying to get back into it um, after some years away, um, there can be a lot of just like uh, things to to keep in mind, whether it's, you know, for performance or um, for, you know, practice or something. So we just thought we'd maybe give some advice to, to um, essentially beginners or, or like we said, people who are kind of getting right back into it after a little break. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, this is just our advice from our experience. You could probably ask anybody that on any level of the music industry and they're going to tell you widely different things definitely yeah um you know and it's just kind of our area of expertise is obviously as performing artists more so or recording artists and so that's kind of where our focus is um obviously if you talk to like a record exec or something they're gonna tell you probably something pretty different (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) But, but you know um i think that this angle like the performing recording artist thing is probably the most common angle that you are the most common things that you're going to get into if you're just starting yeah um and so yeah um even from practice to playing shows to just knowing how to deal with people um especially um kind of re-entering it as an adult yeah um it can be really really hard yeah for sure to kind of get back into it and and really understand everything and you know, also music equipment and stuff is really expensive. So when you're dealing with other bands and stuff, it can get kind of emotionally charged. And so, (laughs) you know, and we've definitely had experiences like that. So we just wanted to give you, you know, some, some of our perspective. Um, so I guess let's start with, um, somebody that just picked up an instrument or, um, you know, just general practice tips. We did a whole video on how to practice, so we're not going to go super in-depth on this topic mm-hmm. in this video, but I do think it's worth mentioning yeah. um, just because there is a lot that goes with it. Um, so, I mean, I guess from my perspective, one thing that I see happen a lot, um, it's especially when people aren't taking lessons, they're trying to work on YouTube or um, you know, trying to teach themselves is they lose patience with themselves very quickly mm-hmm. and they try to rush into like their ultimate goal is to be able to play like, I don't know, Steve, master of puppets yeah. at like 200 beats per minute. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so they like try to do that from like day one mm-hmm. and then they get really frustrated and then, then they quit. <laughs> right, right. So, and I see that so much. So what's your experience with that, Dustin? Because I know you've had to experience the same thing teaching people. Yeah, um, teaching and and also like um, working on stuff myself too. Um, so from the teaching side of it, um, you know, especially if, if it's a student who's maybe been playing a while. Um, so they kind of have expectations, um, for themselves. Uh, and you know, they, they'll get easily frustrated if they can't pick up a lick like right away. And, um, you know, or 
I could be showing something new for the first time, whether it's a, a scale exercise or a song part or something. And um, they try to play it like full speed right away, you know? And even for the most experienced players, like going full tempo right away is um, a bad call, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. and, and I'm guilty of it too. Like, like even just the other day, I was working on um, some like Chick Korea stuff and I, I was like, really like, all right, come on. Like, why can't I get this riff? Like, and looking back, it's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty fast. Like, it's not an easy part to play, but it was right. still kind of like, I was, I was getting frustrated. I was losing patience. And, and as I did, you'll notice this, I think, with a lot of other things in life. Like, when you start to lose patience um, and uh, you get frustrated, like, you start making more mistakes. You know, you start hitting the wrong notes more often. You start tensing up more. And, and all, of that, <clears throat> all of that is bad news for trying to actually improve. Yeah. And I would say too, um, because I'm also very guilty of this and I've noticed that as I've gotten older, I have way less patience <laughs> with myself. Like when I was a kid learning, I was like, I've got years to do this. And now I'm like, I need to do this today. <laughs> right. So, yeah, totally. um, yeah. But I definitely know too, like the, if I spend like an hour just doing like one thing, I just start to make stupid mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I think too, like, come back to stuff. Oh man. Like don't yeah. just like stay on one thing for like a super long time because it gets to a point where like for right the second, it's not going to get any better. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of peak and then it just gets worse and worse. And then you just get more and more frustrated. And I think that that's pretty just unhealthy in general, because at that point you're not even enjoying yourself. <laughs> right. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you now kind you're just of, mad. <laughs> yeah. And you just lose, um, you know, and I guess, my advice for that would be like push yourself to learn new stuff but also like try to make it fun for yourself mm -hmm. like um you never want it to be like I, you don't want to get to the point where it's like oh like i do not want to pick that up today and do that again yeah because that defeats sure. the whole point yeah you know it's almost like like in my experience when i've learned something it's almost like obsessive Mm -hmm. like every time I walk past the guitar I'll pick it up and like do it yeah and like that's, <laughs> yeah and like maybe that's a disorder I don't know <laughs> <laughs> like it gets like to the point where like all I think about for a while is like doing that mm -hmm. and I think that that's probably good I mean that's probably gotten me to where I am right you know yeah, what I mean yeah. it's like that oh I need to go like pick it up and do that again until it's right um, but I do think there's a limit to it. I don't think just like sitting and trying to nail something that you just aren't going to nail in a day in one session is is pretty unhealthy. Yeah. And I, I do that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've done it too. You know, like, but, but when I, so I will say this, because like, you know, I'll try to recognize when I do it. And I feel like when I've done it right is when like, I'll learn, um, I'll learn the riff one day. And I'll just kind of like get it all down. And I like to learn stuff by ear as I, I think you do too. Like yeah. if, you know, looking up a tab is kind of like my last resort. So um, I spent a lot of time just trying to learn the, the lick or the riff or whatever. And then um, uh, what I try to do is, you know, practice it, get it under my hands, maybe try to increase the tempo a little bit from, from the starting like super slow tempo and then put it down for a day and come back the next day or even you know, two days later. And right. I find um, that I actually do a lot better when I come back around and, I, and I've and i given my my brain the, the time to internalize the muscle memory, to internalize the, the tonal memory. 
Um, and so when I do come back around, yeah, it's better. I can play it at a faster tempo without having to have done that, you know, slow tempo increase for an hour, like just because, you know, partially probably because I've been playing for many years now and that helps, but, um, but, but yeah, when I, when I successfully learn stuff and I feel good about it, that's the route I take. And then when I get frustrated, it's usually because I've been sitting there for three hours thinking I can do this in one day. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I've done that a lot. Um, I had something to say, but I've totally forgot it. But I will say, like, do try to work on something at least every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know um, for people that are just starting out, we've given this advice in the how to practice video. But, you know, take a lot of breaks because if you're playing, yeah. it's going to something is going to be uncomfortable pretty much no matter what instrument you're playing. Um, with stringed instruments, your fingertips really start to hurt with horns, your mouth starts to give out. Mm-hmm. And it, at that point, like continuing on is not going to do anything for you yeah. of value. Yeah. Um, so, you know, be really patient with yourself, but do try to work on it pretty often. Like, don't just think like, oh, I can just practice this once every week or two weeks and like keep it up or get better. Yeah. Um, cause it, it, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, you can lose it for sure. I've can, lost a bunch of stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot just of because, riffs. <laughs> yeah. Or just like, yeah, I'll practice them and then I get them and then I never play them again. Yep. And then when I go back to play them, I'm like, oh, I don't remember how this going at all. <laughs> it's always so, like, it's always when it's like you're talking to somebody about that song or like, and you're like, oh yeah, I can play that. Like I learned that a couple months ago and then you try to show them and you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I still remember songs that I learned to play when I was like nine or ten and mm-hmm. haven't played since. Yeah. But then a song that I learned like last year that yeah. I only played a few times, couldn't tell you anything about how it goes. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. Couldn't tell you totally. which key it was in, what fret to start on. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> so I, I, I think that that's interesting. Um, but I, I remember what I was going to say earlier. I, I am definitely like a visual person Mm. so when i'm practicing stuff whether it's horn like saxophone stuff or guitar stuff i try to like even when i'm not playing i'll like see myself playing it or like Mm. think of like the pattern in my head totally and that helps i actually do that too i never really thought about that but i I do that as well yeah i've always done that and like on on saxophone it was always like whenever we would have to do like our um audition for which band you were going to be in every Mm. year in high school they made you play like as many scales as you could in two minutes or something. Oh, wow. Which is n- not a great audition. No offense. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it was not a great audition tactic because I didn't even have, all I had to do was just like, like run my fingers up and down. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have to do any kind of technique other than that. Um, but I remember like sitting in the lunchroom before band like, oh my God, I forgot. And like trying to run through the scales in my head oh, of like yeah. what they looked mm-hmm. like because I didn't have my saxophone with me, obviously. But yeah, which, which yeah. Is, it, I mean, that's uh, that's like an effective way to practice too. It's mental practice, yeah, right? For which sure. is totally a thing, for sure. I think so. Yeah, and I like I said, I do that on guitar and um, and on saxophone, which are really the only two instruments that I'm any good at. So. that well you can definitely <laughs> play the bass too I'll give you, I mean, and you, not you're, like you're, super well <laughs> you're pretty good at the piano as well yeah i mean nobody's gonna hire me for anything <laughs> on either of those instruments but i can tinker on them but yeah i mean i think 
basically the idea, and I don't think I said this yet, but I definitely think with practicing a new instrument, like play to your strengths, but practice your weaknesses. So know that when you first pick up a guitar, you're probably not going to be able to quote unquote shred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's yeah. just not going to happen. And that's right. okay. Like, you know, even though I love tinkering on piano, I've always challenged myself to try to learn super hard stuff. But I mean, I, I know that I'm not going to be Liberace tomorrow. Like right, I just know right. that. And like, you know, it's going to take years for my hands to be able to train to do stuff like that. And that's totally normal. And it's the same for singers and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like it just takes time. And like time is the one thing that we don't have an unlimited amount of. So yeah. that does kind of suck, but yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's the only thing that works yeah. um, really and truly like just doing a little bit every day. Um, I think I've given this analogy before. I think of it a lot as like exercise. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you can't just like be buff in one day. You can be super sore the next day because you worked <laughs> out for four hours. Right. But like you're not actually going to get muscles in a day. And yeah. it's the same thing with any instrument. Yeah, it at is. All. Um, so then I guess um, let's say that you've practiced for a little while. Um, so you're no longer brand new to your instrument or say that you're... Um, ready to kind of move on to like playing in a band or like playing out places. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is really where like the core of this podcast episode is going to come in just Mm -hmm. because there is so much like for people that haven't done it before. It's kind of, um, I don't want to say it feels impossible because it really doesn't, but there's a lot to it that like nobody tells you about. Oh yeah. Or that, like there's a lot of industry standards of ways to do things. And unless you have been told them or unless you figure them out on your own, you can kind of look like you don't know what you're doing right. or it can kind of be embarrassing. So we just wanted to talk about it. And I would say um, kind of the first thing that I wanted to talk about was mm-hmm. being prepared for shows. Yeah, totally. Um, and I guess that could be like musically. Um you know, trying to practice and know all your parts. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Because that could make or break the whole situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. <laughs> no you know, doubt. and, um, you know, if you're kind of a type A personality, that could also mean kind of getting everybody in your group on the same page of preparedness. Yeah, definitely. Um, because I don't care who you are. Like, there's going to be people in bands that, have weaknesses that you don't have. Yeah. And they're going to have strengths that you don't have. So mm-hmm. everybody's going to falter in some way. Yeah. And I think just, you know, being prepared for situations like that and trying to not just be completely emotionally charged when addressing them. Yeah. Is really huge, but um I mean, I guess let's just start with like the super simple stuff of just like wrapping cables. Right, and yeah. You're definitely the guy to talk to <laughs> about this because Dustin takes this way more personally than I do. But <laughs> like Dustin gets personally offended if you wrap a cable in incorrectly. Yeah, if you wrap a cable, especially, I mean, if it's if it's not my cable, then it's like, whatever, dude, do your thing. But if it's my cable or if it's a community cable, like you got to do this right. Um, I'm not going to necessarily describe how to wrap a cable over an audio format. I mean, we have video too, but you know, some people are just listening, but basically, um, you know, the reason why it matters is 
Um, if you do that, like wrap around your arm thing, or if you tie your cables in a knot, like you're fraying the inside of the cable. And that ultimately means that it's not going to last as long. Um, for like studio situations, it's super important because um, there's a lot of time, effort, and, and money even, especially in bigger studios, that goes into routing cables and, and making sure everything's working and in the right, right place. And if a cable is messed up, then you end up having to search through like 16 fucking cables. You know, I mean, 16 is a low ball number. Um, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And it's, it's a time waster, as we've talked about, you know, in the studio, time is money. And um, so that's, that's kind of why it's like a big deal. But also you don't want to be the guy who like, you know, shows up to the gig and plugs in and now your cable doesn't work. So you got to go borrow one from somebody else. And, you know, if you do, it's fine. Most musicians are happy to, to help out. Um, but many of us is off as, sorry, many of us have also had our cables, um, stolen by people who maybe didn't even intend to do it, but just accidentally took it home without thinking about it. Um, so I try to avoid those situations by just like having plenty of cables, um, and wrapping them properly. And, and, you know, um, so just taking care of equipment, I think in general is kind of what I'm getting at. Like whether it's taking care of your guitar, or, you know, taking care of your amp, your pedals, like keeping things clean. And, um, you know, I use, uh, I saw, um, Ian Martin Allison, who is, uh, one of the guys who works with, uh, Scott space lessons. Now he's like one of the, the main instructors. Um, and he, uh, did this video on, on Instagram, I think about this trick he uses to keep his pedal board clean. And it's just like an old paintbrush and you just like dust things off with it and like it doesn't move the knobs around and it you know it's something you can just keep in your pedal board case like the simple stuff like that can go a long way um and uh you know can help prevent issues like when you plug in your pedal board and now there's like something that's not coming through and there's a problem and you don't know which pedal it is like you know right knowing your routing knowing um you know which cables you have like that you've taken care of versus which ones might be beaters like can help you solve the problem a lot faster um so yeah i mean it's just like you know equipment preparedness i guess yeah and i will say too like just some general advice that i could give would be i mean i understand that like budgetary stuff is obviously a huge factor for most people mm-hmm. but like just investing in some nicer quality cables can in the long run really save you so much time and stress mm-hmm. and money like yep. getting the cheapest cables they're usually like the cheapest soldered points and mm-hmm. i mean even if you wrap them right they'll come undone and it's so frustrating because like you were saying it takes so long to like go through everything and figure out the problem and mm-hmm. you know and and a lot of people would argue like yeah but like the guitar center brand cable like they let me just return it to the store and i'll get a new one and like yeah that's true but that's a lot of time and effort for something that right. if you just spent like, I don't know, 20 bucks more, it would save you all of that. Right. And I know that that's kind of a privileged sounding thing to say, but I really think that if you do have a little bit of extra money to put into something like that, it can really kind of save you in the long run. It's kind of like buying a, a, a decent phone case for your phone. Like, you know, yeah. don't buy the $10 case, buy the $30 case. It's probably going to be a little bit better. Totally. Know? Yeah. Especially if you're like me and drop your phone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I literally drop my phone every day. But yeah, um, you know, and then I guess kind of what you were talking about, 
kind of a general idea, it, it could go way beyond cable, is just like if you are using equipment that's not yours, just like be super respectful of it. I yeah. would say treat it like it's your own, but some people don't give a shit about their own stuff. So like right. treat it like it's better than your own. <laughs> treat, treat it like it it's, like your it's not yours. <laughs> Porcelain or something, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. But I think that one's pretty obvious, but... But you'd be surprised how many people get that wrong for sure. And and I mean, you wouldn't be, but the listener might be <laughs> surprised how, yeah. how often people get that wrong. And, and you know, like backlining, we were talking about this mm-hmm. earlier. Like, um, so if, if you haven't played a show yet or you're kind of new to this and in, in um, when there's a, a show where there's like multiple bands, like three, four or five bands, um, you... Uh, will very likely be backlining some equipment. A lot of the time, it's the drum set, at least. Which basically just means, like, you're sharing it. You're sharing it, So you right. don't have to take it off and on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, you know, for drummers, like, it's it's generally good practice that, like, if you're going to be borrowing somebody's kit, you still bring your own snare, um, your breakables, which would be your, like, your cymbals. Um, sticks. Sticks. Um sometimes kick pedal and thrown too it kind of depends on the on the show and the drummer um, i would bring them just in case yeah um because i mean we have actually together been in situations too and this rarely happens but like it has happened to us where we were promised uh that we could use a backline kit and mm-hmm. then you get there and like you can't yeah like they've changed their mind or you know something's happened which is not cool and like that's true but that may be a situation where oh, it's okay. I've already got my kit in my car. Right. Like I was prepared for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? Because mm-hmm. like it, it would really suck to get there and all you have is a snare drum and your cymbal bag. <laughs> like that would, you know, I mean, you could probably get through the show. It'll sound weird, but like, yeah, Willie Nelson's drummer did it. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I think there was a, I was watching, I just got this app called masterclass, mm. which is oh, yeah. really, really cool. I'll, yeah. I'm, I'll show you some stuff. It's really cool. But anyway, Ringo Starr had one that I listened to on my way home several nights in a row because they're super long. But he was talking about the Beatles did a show where he just, all he had was like a ride cymbal. He didn't have hi-hats he or crash or anything? He didn't have anything. He didn't have a kick or anything. It was just the ride. What happened? He played the ride the whole show and that was it. What happened to the drum set though? Like I don't remember. Oh it was something. I don't know. That's but crazy. Like, don't. Don't be Ringo Starr. <laughs> that doesn't really. I don't remember the story. There may have been way more to it than that, but. Um, or, or rather, don't be caught in a situation like Ringo Starr. <laughs> yeah, because that would really, you know, you never know. That's so cliche. You never know who's going to be there, but it's kind of true. You never mm-hmm. know like what opportunities you could pick up from playing somewhere. So it's super important just to like be prepared. And I will say, Dustin is like the most prepared person maybe that I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> um, like he's considered every angle of what could go wrong. I try. I try. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a low down. Like I have this, this bag that I bring with me uh, that always has like a little first aid kit. It has spare drum keys. It'll have spare strings, spare cables, a phone clip, um, towels for wiping up spilled drinks and beers that, that fall on the stage. Um, what else is in there? Uh, I have like a, um, uh, like a clip cable kit, basically like you can make, um, like patch cables, uh, with like these little pieces that you just clip and like, uh, screw together. I mean, you can get them at like a guitar center, but you like that kind of stuff. Like, so I, I really did. <laughs> it's kind of a problem, but like, I would yeah. rather to me, it's like, you know, 
under most circumstances, the show must go on. There are some exceptions, but like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a little extreme. <laughs> Shut up. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's really awesome just to know that like, you know, you've always kind of thought, tried to think of everything because I've played with so many people that are the exact opposite of that. Right. And they're like, oh, I needed to bring drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, right. which literally happened to me the other day. I'll mm-hmm. tell you about it later. But was, <laughs> no, you should tell it right now. <laughs> I was at home. So it wasn't like I was at a gig, but like, so, you know, I've been trying to kind of get more into like instruments that I haven't played a whole lot. So the main ones that I've been practicing are piano and well, it was going to be drums. So anyway, I have this drum set <laughs> that I just put heads on because uh, I used to live in an apartment. So I just had like those muted heads on it. Mm. So I just put heads on it. I've actually never played this drum set with real heads. Wow! So I was like so excited. I was like all like giddy. I was polishing everything, making <laughs> oh, sure man. that everything looked super like you know, I was like measuring, like, I don't actually know what I'm doing, but I had to watch YouTube videos on how to like put a hi-hat clutch together. <laughs> it was like a whole, it was a good, probably over an hour of just like trying to get everything together. That's a lot together. done in, in just an hour though. I mean, so, and then I was like, all right. And I was like, now I get to play. And I sat down and I realized that I didn't have any drumsticks. <laughs> And I got uh. super sad and also bad. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, yep. I was so mad because I thought that I had some and I don't know what I did with them, but I literally looked everywhere that I thought they could possibly be and I couldn't find them. So I was super pissed off <laughs> for like the whole rest of the day. So don't be me. All right. <laughs> don't do that because I'm definitely not always prepared i try to be You're pretty prepared yeah i mean you know within reason within reason i mean you're not <laughs> you're not like a drummer every day so that was you know that is true and i did i mean it's so funny i had all the other fucking accessories like i had the drum key <laughs> i like literally had everything i needed whatever it's fine <laughs> i was so mad at myself but yeah, I mean, I'll say too, just like you were saying, like having a first aid kit on standby is always good. Mm. Um, just Great because for drummers. literally you never know. Like I've pinched myself bad enough in a mic stand mm-hmm. where I started bleeding pretty yeah, bad. for sure. So, I mean, it's definitely worth just having on hand. Um, and that's not even to mention, I mean, there are way worse things that can happen during setup that you would definitely need a first aid kit for. So having that. Yeah would be huge you could have a lighting truss fall on you <laughs> i don't think the first aid kit really would have helped with that. probably not i don't there wasn't any blood unless it was internal <laughs> which could explain a lot to this day yeah. but um, <laughs> like an oh. aneurysm that i lived through oh man everybody's like she's a little weird now <laughs> one day she just woke up kind of funny <laughs> yeah. um but yeah first aid kit for sure Yeah. And Um, then I would say too, like, just kind of like prepare yourself for your set. Yeah. Um, And I mean, that kind of goes for everybody. And I don't just mean like practicing, but just kind of how you arrange your set. Yeah. Or um, making sure that you're warmed up. That can be, I mean, a game changer. I've I've played shows because when I did the cover band thing, 
we would always usually or for a long time we would always start the show with Barracuda mm. by heart mm-hmm. which is a really hard place to start yeah um, yeah wow yeah yeah so I would notice like you know if I waited and did that later in the set it was always a better performance mm-hmm. um I mean, it was a cool way to start, but it didn't really, you know, if we had waited and did it better, it would have been a better performance. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's just like, like you mentioned the working out thing earlier. Like when you go to work out, um, you have to pace yourself, you know, when you're, let's say going on a run, like you don't sprint for three miles. I mean, maybe some fucking lunatics do, but (laughs) I think most normal people, you know, like you warm up into that first mile and then you run and then you warm down so like you know i wouldn't say you have to necessarily warm down with like a music set because usually you want to end with like some of your bangers but like you want to build up to it you know start with like fleetwood mac not van halen (laughs) you know yeah for sure um and i mean that's totally normal um for everybody like i don't know anybody that can just um jump into a set with their hardest performance and nail it perfectly right like i honestly don't know anybody now hardest performance differs depending on who you are Mm -hmm. and that can change greatly but um you know kind of get to know yourself as much as you can before you go out and perform but also know like if you're just starting out there's gonna be a learning curve like your first show is not gonna be your best show ever Mm -mm. like i don't even even now that i've done tons of shows i feel like whenever you're playing even with new people it's not going to be the best show right yeah you know and i think it's super important to know too like everybody has off days yeah um yeah that's huge i think for me like try to limit those as much as you can and the way to do that for me is just to keep up my chops keep practicing Mm -hmm. um take care of myself which i'm not gonna but it's fine and (laughs) um but you know just know that you're not like falling off you're not a failure you're not terrible you don't suck today was just a rough day yeah and like everybody has them um i mean do you have any experiences with like you're just like man like is there any way i can record this tomorrow because i just am yeah, for sure. Today's not my day. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, and and I I think for me it's happened um, mostly in um, show settings because usually with with studio settings um, there is a lot more time to like fix your mistakes. So I, unless it's like really really starting to get to like a head where I'm like, wow, I've been working on this for like hours and I still can't get it. Thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. But I also haven't really been in too many situations where I've had to record like really intense bass lines that I either haven't practiced like a whole lot because usually I've, I've gone through the song a million times. So I'm, I know it pretty right. well, but like, yeah. Um, for, for live shows. Oh man, all the time. I mean, like, uh, I mean a couple shows ago that we did, I just, there was something about that day that, that for me, I felt like I was off. Like I've, I've felt great with you guys. Like I thought y'all played amazingly. I thought, um, it was fun, you know, but I was just, I didn't feel good about my performance. And, um, you know, and it was probably just like, you know, if I were to really look back at it, there's probably just like, I don't know, two or three notes that like were bum notes or something and I, that I accidentally hit because I was, you know, 
out of focus or something, but it, it definitely, I let it weigh on me a lot more probably than it should have because I just care so much. And especially like, you know, when I'm working in a unit or if I'm in a situation where I'm being hired, um, you know, by, by people that I don't know super well, especially with, with that, if it's like a one-off thing, like, you know, I, I can really let it get to me, but, um, it's important that you don't, like you said, and, and that you recognize we all have off days. I mean, even just like, you know, your day to day, nine to five job, I'm sure there are, there are people out there listening that have a day where they go into work and just nothing goes right. Right. You know? And I mean, that happens all the time. It shows, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Murphy's law. Um, you'll get there. The sound man didn't show up. You're not allowed to set up on stage until the sound man gets there. He shows up 30 minutes before the show and is just running mic cables. All your people are wondering when the show is going to start. Now mm-hmm. you're late. Mm-hmm. Now you're, and this has happened like so many times. So like this is times. not, like this has happened to me so many times. And then fans are getting pissed off. They're like stressed out. Um, and when I say fans, like usually it's friends and family, but they've got other shit to do. Yeah. So they're like, hey, like you said you were going to start at seven, at 730. Like we have a dinner we have to go to or like, yeah, right. I have a babysitter. And so it's just all this pressure. And then you finally go up on stage. Do you think it's going to go super well? <laughs> like you're already in this headspace of just like stressed out. And, you know, that can be super, super hard. Or, you know, here's another great example. The other night we were literally just doing a live stream Mm -hmm. and it just seemed like every technical difficulty that could go wrong did. Yeah. And, you know, where it it became, you know, stressful was, again, the fan perspective of it because we had already sent out this link and then everybody was like, my link's not working. And I was trying, we were trying to, Dustin was trying to fix the technical problem. I was trying to get the new link out. And it Mm -hmm. just, you know, by the time you actually start, you're like flustered and like, you know, and that happens not every show, but it happens a lot. And yeah. it probably happens less the better the production gets. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I definitely. feel like if you're like an arena band, that probably doesn't happen. I mean, honestly, it probably does, but it's not quite as noticeable just because the production is so big. Mm-hmm, I bet mm-hmm. shit still happens. All the time, yeah. Every I single it. minute of yeah. the show. They just have enough money to, to have like eight backups. Right. You know? So, I mean, I think that that's just something... You know, I guess where I'm going with the advice side of it is that's just something you really don't get used to, but it's going to be something that comes up a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So kind of, I guess where I'm trying to go with it is like, be prepared that something is going to happen Mm -hmm. and try not to A, get super pissed off about it. Mm -hmm. Try not to take your frustration out on others um, and, you know, just Try to be as professional and, um, you know. Roll with the punches, man. Yeah, because it's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something I definitely wanted to talk about advice-wise too is when just being respectful to others, just like dealing with colleagues, dealing with people. Mm -hmm. um, Because you're going to have conflict with people. Yeah, Some people more than others. And I think one that's super common uh, just like historically, <laughs> almost humorously, that bat heads are bands and the sound men. Yep. Um, For sure. And, you know, I mean, who know, who's to say who's right or wrong? I mean, it totally depends on the situation. Yes. I've been to venues 
where the sound man gets there pissed off. He's just a total asshole. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you don't know him, but he doesn't know you. Yep. He treats you like you're six years old. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. it's just like kind of demeaning. And that's a terrible way to start off. Yeah. But then, you know, I've also seen bands throw the soundman's microphones on the ground thinking <laughs> it's cool and yep. just like crowd surf. You know what I yep. mean? So, like, I've seen both sides of it. Do you have any, like, specific stories of, like, terrible... You don't have to say names, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like for sure. I mean, um, well, we did a... I, I wouldn't say he was a, a bad sound man or just, like, a total asshole, but there was this thing that we did recently um, where the, um, the engineer was... Um, I don't know. I think he was he was just like a little PO'd that we wanted to use our own amps. Um, yeah, I, you know, I know what you're Instead about. of the backline and and you know, my my view on this is like look, at the end of the day if if I got to use the backline, like I'll use it, whatever. I can make anything work, but if I have the chance and I have the time and I'm fast with my shit, I know how to set it up, I can get it going in in 2 minutes. Like I would rather use my stuff. I spent the money on it. I know what it sounds like. I know how it functions with my equipment, whatever. Anyway, um, he was just kind of like bitchy about it and like was kind of just like, I guess, muttering shit under his breath and like, you know, shitting on my pedal board because I'm a bass player and shouldn't have pedals or something. Yeah. I wasn't there for that, but you told me about it. Yeah. Um, but then he we get- He was just in a bad mood the whole day. He really was, Which yeah. I really hate because yeah. like we were the first fucking band that day. Yeah. Like- yeah. If you're already in a bad mood, it can only get worse. Get worse from here, like, right? Yeah, you know. God. But yeah, and, and you know, I've had probably the worst situation, other than just like soundman being late. Mm -hmm. Whenever I've been in a situation where the soundman was terribly late, thankfully they were always apologetic mm -hmm. and like they knew that they fucked up. Mm -hmm. But probably the worst soundman experience I've had was at a venue in Atlanta, and it's not a big venue. Um, probably if I had to guess like a hundred cap, mm -hmm. 150 cap, and I could be way off on that, but it's smaller. Um, and I was sitting in with this like metal core band, which is not really my style. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they were friends of mine. So basically the sound man, just like we were trying to be proactive because we weren't the first band and we weren't the last band. So mm -hmm. we were trying to mic our own amps because the mics okay. just got put on the floor mm -hmm. And they were just like SM57s mm -hmm. and they had the clips. So yep. we were just like clipping them onto our amps. And he just came up like screaming at us and was like, don't touch my shit. And like Whoa. just started like just freaking out for no reason. Yeah. Whereas he literally could have just been like, hey, man, don't worry about it. I'll hook it up. Yeah. Right. That's literally all he had to say. Yeah. Like, but he just came up like just guns Super blazing and so Lord. everybody was just automatically in this like bad mood mm -hmm. defensive um so yeah i mean that's that happens all the time so but also do know like sound men are part of the team yep. like a lot of times you do just meet them the day of the show mm -hmm. minutes before the show sometimes yeah but like and a lot of them are really cool people yeah. and really good people. Yeah. It's just like try to try to build a relationship with them. If they're just total assholes, I mean, what can you do? Yeah. But usually there is kind of a middle ground. You can be like, 
I, I remember the the guy that he was really screaming at. Thankfully, I was also guilty of it, but I wasn't taking the brunt of it. <laughs> I was just like, mm, let me put this microphone back down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but like he was, you know, oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. And I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, this is crazy. That's, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's no reason to 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 do that. And uh, the, uh, another uh, quick instance that we were both uh, there to experience, sure. um, again, no names or anything, but um, uh, we did a gig where um, the the people, the openers, um, this is also the same gig where uh, we had to last minute uh, pull our own drum set out because we were supposed to borrow theirs and then something happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, that like between every single song, like the the artist was like, on the, the microphone, mi- on the microphone, yeah. like 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 complaining about the sound and complaining to the sound engineer. And first of all, like there's no reason to just like unless that guy was being a total asshole beforehand, which he was not. He was pretty cool. We talked to him before the show, and and, and he was he seemed like a totally cool dude. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, they were just like basically like slamming him. Yeah. And- like on the microphone, which just made him. I'm sure that was super embarrassing for him. Yeah. Because it would have been for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's really not completely his fault. Like, they did get us, they got a way better sound check than we did. Yeah. And, like, you know. And we sounded fine. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was fine. Even if the sound's not perfect, if I had to give you some advice for this, after the first couple, you can say something maybe once. Maybe like, hey man, can I get more guitar? Or you can just point to the guitar amp and point up. You don't even have to say anything over the microphone. Right. And if it doesn't get fixed pretty quickly, I just drop it. It is what it is. Yeah, Yeah, I just, it's not worth it. You're going to take up. And it got to this point in this show that we're talking about specifically where it became like awkward to be in the audience. Yeah. It was just like, man, like just fucking finish your set it was just a lot and it was it was just two acoustic guitars and a drum set yeah like i mean come on it was a lot (laughs) yeah so like and and just like honestly i think a fair piece of advice to tag onto this is um no show that you play will ever have perfect sound there's always going to be something you need to hear more of there's always going to be something you probably need to hear less of so one thing that i think i've i've learned um is is to try to as a band mix yourselves like and i don't mean like go to the mixer and change shit but like i mean like play to yourselves play to yourselves play to the room like if it's really boomy maybe you should cut back on the low mids and and some of the bass frequency stuff and and you know if it's really sharp in the room like cut back some of your treble or something like there's a lot you can do with your equipment that can make a huge difference that you don't need to to constantly harp the engineer on. Yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think, too, when you're playing shows with other bands, um, like on the same bill, mm-hmm. um, even with that, we've had some experiences together with stuff like that where, um, you know, we were backlining every single night drums mm-hmm. and then we had this band who it was their city they were the headlining band and they said that they couldn't backline it because i don't even remember their excuse it was like they practice upstairs oh, in a yeah. apartment 
And so you know, like hauling the drum set down is a pain in the ass or something. Yeah, it's like, and, well, you chose the wrong instrument. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was the whole show was kind of whatever. But, um, you know, just being like respectful to other bands. Like if you are the headliner um, and you don't want um, to backline your stuff, you at least need to bring your stuff and everybody just play their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty rude to ask like the opening band to, to backline, like, backline their everything stuff. yeah I, you know i mean i guess that it depends on the people and kind of the situation but it is yeah it's kind of a rule of thumb you know? i think if i think it like if you don't know the band if you don't have some kind of previously previously established relationship that's where that really comes in you yeah know? maybe if you're like really you're those bands that you know they have like band like buddies like this band and this band are always like hanging right. out it's like maybe that's different because you can talk about it beforehand you kind of have an understanding but yeah you know if you're touring you're traveling you're doing something like that like um be be respectful of of uh the host city right. essentially and, right? and definitely too it particularly for drums if you are using a backlined kit be really respectful of like the shells because we've also had that come up yeah. where like somebody's played instead of playing on the rim of like the bass or the low tom they'll like hit the wood on the bass drum and mm-hmm. like knock a bunch of dents in it and stuff yeah and that's just kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier that's just super rude and not cool like yeah you're diminishing the value of somebody else's property. Yeah. And this particular kit was also a custom kit. Like that yeah. you literally, you can't get this kit anywhere because it was designed and built for this person. So like, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. It, yeah, not good. But also, you know, even just within your band. And I think that this is just like part of being human. And, you know, there's never going to be a situation where, everybody's happy all the time, but really trying to think long-term about the way that you say things or present things or just talk to your bandmates. Sure. You know, like trying not to be like, oh, you fucking idiot. Like you always fuck everything up. That's (laughs) probably going to not end well. Yeah. Unless it's like, like a very specific dry humor part of, of your relationship with that person, which is probably not super common. Like, and I mean, (laughs) shit happens. Like, you know, it's, it's probably going to happen to you at some point with somebody. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I mean, even if it does happen, knowing kind of where to cut it off where to move on where to just be like um or when to apologize i think a lot of people have a really hard time apologizing yeah um which is understandable i mean it's really hard to admit that you're the one that's wrong but it's super healing to like relationships yeah it is um for sure so you know but i think a a big part of it is just the way that you say things Mm -hmm. that to me is just like you can say the same thing exactly but two opposite ways like we were saying with the sound man Mm -hmm. like he literally could have just said like oh no man it's okay i'll hook it up and if that point if we kept touching his mics he could be like could you put that down i'm gonna hook it up for you Mm -hmm. and then that's a little bit more stern yeah but to come up and be like what the fuck like yeah that's totally (laughs) different and like everybody's just like ah yeah 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 so i mean and I'm sure, I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on just like personal accounts of like, you know, just relationships. Relationships are super hard. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with 
really any of this. Um, and what I mean by that is venues, sound men, bandmates, other bands, like those are all relationships. Yeah. Um, obviously your, your band is who you really need to probably focus on the most because mm -hmm. those are your people that you're, you're associating most, with. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, do you have anything to add to that? I think um, just respect. Yeah, I think, yeah, respect is, is the key. I think, um, I think it's also, um, you know, it's how you communicate with, with people, like you said, you know, how you phrase things, um, you know, everyone's different and some people are more direct and some people are, are bad at being direct. You know, um, I find myself somewhere in the middle over the years. Uh, I used to be really bad at like voicing how I felt. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm a lot better about it now. I'm still working on it, but, um, but ultimately like, you know, these, these are people that, you know, especially if it's a, if a venue, um, you're going to be seeing them a lot and your name is going to be brought up a lot and you don't want to be the band who, who the venue manager had a problem with, you know, or, and, and then also keep in mind too, I think this is the, what I was going to get at originally, which is, you know, for everyone involved in this industry, like this is a passion. If you're a sound engineer, like, yeah, it may not be like your number one passion, but it, it, clearly you're passionate enough about it that you'd rather do that than work in an office or work waiting tables. You know, right. if you're a venue manager or a bartender, like you have some degree of passion for that. Otherwise you would do something else. So, right. um, you know, and I understand that there are some people who are just doing something cause they, they have to, but I think for the entertainment, like it's pretty rare that somebody is going to be like, I play the bass in a band, but I fucking hate it, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. Or, you know, and I, venue owners probably are particularly jaded just because there are so many bad bands and disrespectful bands and mm -hmm. stuff. So they kind of have a different perspective, but even them, they're there for the good bands. Yeah. Which right. could be, you know, few and far between, but that's why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think too, just like within your band, being respectful about like creative differences too. Yeah, for um, sure. Because like writing music or even arranging covers, working out parts, all that kind of stuff, that can be like it can get super emotional mm -hmm. because it's you know it's art, it's something that you care about. But being able to, you know, express your opinion in a way and th that's respectful, and then ultimately, I think it's probably a good idea to have somebody who is like the final say on things mm -hmm. um i don't know like i think it's a good idea for s lots of decisions to be democratic yeah for sure but i think there's really it, it for me it really helps if there's one person that can just be like okay well everybody's on a different page but we need to get this done let's just do it this way mm -hmm. just to get it over with yep. you know um and obviously that can be challenging more so with like the creative side than like the logistical side. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think it's just, you know, I guess just like it's important to have like a musical director, a band leader, a song leader, because you need that person to kind of be the last say in things. Yeah. Yeah. For to, sure. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. Is it mediator? Is that the right word? I, I don't know if I would call it a mediator. Okay. As a, a, like an a, um, executive, really. It's like, right. you know, just like somebody has to be the quote unquote president of that situation and say, okay, like, you know, 
this this person is the judicial and this person is the legislative and they all have their opinions and each of them has equal say but like you know the the one person we look to to make the big calls um you know i think is important to to definitely to have that and i think um within that like there is a balance of um um back, back to the respect thing again is is like okay so if you're a, you know the guitar player in a band and you write a riff um and the singer doesn't like it or something the singer you know for whatever reason just isn't isn't vibing on it like i think there's a responsibility on both ends there is a responsibility on you know the person who doesn't like it to say well you know it's it, i'm not really vibing with it but they have to in my opinion you have to give a good reason you know to but you know it like saying i just don't like it or i'm just not it just doesn't work for me isn't good enough because basically what you're what you're doing is is like when you present something creative it's kind of like presenting a part of your body and and then somebody says like oh i don't like it i don't i don't like your face i don't like your right. arms you know like and and it can be very personal and then on the other side i think for that person who came up with the riff like if the the disapproving party has a good or at least a a respectful and respectable reason for not wanting to use that part or or work with that part you also have to eventually kind of take a step back and be like okay is it because they don't like me or is it actually because like you know for the greater good of the creative process like we need to keep digging we need to dig deeper we need to find something that does work for both of us um and it's hard to do and and you know i've been in those situations a lot of times where i present an idea and and it just nobody really takes a liking to it and it can be a bit of an ego bash but like if you take it the right way and you also from the other side present it the right way for like why you dislike it or why it's not working for you i think you'll find that you can be a lot more productive as a group um basically like art is very personal try not to personally attack someone on their art and try not to take every criticism so personally i guess is right. what i want to get to that and you know i kind of i i feel like one situation that i've been in that gave me a lot of perspective on this was um i've done a few of them but there was this one songwriting retreat that i went to where like everybody there like we kind of knew each other but not really mm-hmm. like it we were pretty much strangers yeah and so like trying to write a song with strangers proved to be extremely difficult yeah. because you had some people that were really strong and then you had some people that were super weak. Mm-hmm. And so we had to like balance it because the weak person would like throw in their idea and then everybody would be like, uh, okay. <laughs> and like, we would never use it. Yeah. And then, you know, that got started to get emotionally fueled. Yep. And I was just like, Mm, I don't, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, so yeah, it like, ruins it for everybody. Yeah, and so, you know, that kind of gave me an interesting perspective of also like, um, you know, when you're working with other people, like there are some people that you're just not going to be super musically compatible with. Yep, definitely. And like that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like if Dolly Parton tried to write a song with, I don't know, Vince Neil from Motley Crue, it would probably be. Kind of an interesting session. So, <laughs> and that's okay because, yeah. like, both of them have their own thing. Like, they don't have to work perfectly together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it is hard when you're like in your own band and you've been because then I feel like what would happen in a lot of bands is they would never say or like designate a band leader. So mm-hmm. if somebody tried to take that role, it would be like, who made you the fucking boss? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally. I don't remember this boat. You totally. Know? <laughs> so like, I feel like that could happen a lot too. So I do think it's like a good discussion to kind of have early on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and also uh, maybe to hark, uh, harken back to like the beginning when we were talking about knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Like, like for me, like, lyricism is not a strength for me like i love i love well i appreciate that but but like i don't think i write lyrics that um that are going to have like a massive like emotional impact like like stuff that i feel like you or dylan or you know write like i feel like has more of a um a deeper thought behind it. A lot of my lyrics kind of don't make sense or I don't know. Anyway, my point is um, I know like one of my strengths is like theory or like chord progressions or, or, you know, writing a baseline. So like, that's what I'm going to focus on. And, you know, and I'm going to let somebody else take the lead on, on writing lyrics. And if I'm asked for my opinion or my contribution, sure. I'll offer something. Don't mean it's going to be good, but like, you know, no, I definitely get it. You know, and I guess to just like, a general advice thing for <laughs> advice thing, a piece of advice um, for new musicians is just to like set realistic expectations to mm-hmm. we've met so many young kids and actually adults that have like really huge expectations for like they're going to get signed to a record label and they're going to have these huge careers and they're going to sell tons of albums and mm-hmm. They're probably, they probably watched like a VH1 behind the music or something. And, right. You know, I mean, the music industry's changed so much just within the last 10 years, much less 20, 30 years. Um, so my advice would be to try to learn about it as much as you can. And then that can give you a big or a better perspective. Yeah. Of kind of what you're getting into. Um, because it, you know, the whole podcast right sex drugs and disappointment the disappointment part's super real a lot of the time you know because all of those things we've said even if you are prepared you've practiced your ass off you have done all of these things to get to the end of the night and you make 45 dollars, and that's what you have to get you to the next city Mm -hmm. super fucking disappointing (laughs) So, so like you know and that's just part of it and it's that's that's yeah. what you should expect for a long time. Yeah. Um which is just kind of life in general. Like Yeah. <laughs> you know. Or you know, I mean I think one of the most difficult parts about being a musician is unlike most other jobs where it's hourly or um you know salaried, it's totally gigged based and the gigs are not good. It's yeah. not like a a plumber where like you know just for showing up you get $300. Right. It's not that at all. Like just for showing up, you don't get shit. <laughs> like, you know, and right, like, yeah. that's not even to say there are people that I know. I don't think it's, well, that's not true. You know, I've had places where I've played them and like they wrote a check and the check bounced multiple times. Really? To Has that even happened? Oh my God. Paid. That's crazy. So like just stuff like that. I mean, it's, 
you know, uh, the music industry in a lot of ways is kind of like the wild, wild west. And so a lot of the things we've been saying, like, be respectful to your colleagues, like that makes it sound very formal. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to be in an office building where people can get fired. Yeah. Nobody's getting fired. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. If the venue doesn't pay you, the manager's probably not going to get fired. You're just shit out of luck. Yep. And unless you want to do like a civil lawsuit for your $150 that you were supposed (laughs) to get paid, which I also don't recommend you're just out that money yeah and that super sucks yeah yeah for sure set your expectation or like we were talking about in the last episode like doing a work for hire thing and then they just don't pay you Mm -hmm. or like they don't give you anything like yeah well and and i mean shit dude people also just like make mistakes i mean like you know recently i I don't want to again put any names in, in here but recently you know i was on the road and the and the band i was with the first gig that we were supposed to do was supposed to be a $2,000 guarantee. We show up and they tell us, uh, they realize after hearing us that like, we're actually decent and, um, they go and check their, you know, backlogs of like, okay, who's this band who booked them and their talent buyer added an extra zero onto the guarantee by accident. So it was $20,000. No, it was supposed to be $200 and they promised us 2000. Yeah. So we had to cancel like, like one of another date on the tour because like we you know could not fiscally afford to make it up to the next date because it was literally uh $1800 less than we were expecting wow. you know and yeah. and and I will say like they were super apologetic about it like they gave us you know some uh a whole bunch of free food and and you know and all that and and they were very very nice and you know at the end of the day it wasn't the owner's fault it was just the the talent buyer for that venue that fucked up but like, you know, he was super apologetic. Like it didn't, it wasn't one of those situations where they were trying to like pull one over on us, you know? And if it was, I'm sure we would have pursued it a little harder, but it was clearly like somebody fucked up and, you know, it's gonna like, like we always say at the end of the episode, like it's gonna happen. Like that shit happens and, and people make mistakes and, you know, did it suck? Yeah. But, you know, there was no malintent. And, and so just going back to what you were saying, like this, we we're talking about it kind of like it's a formal industry, but it's really not, you know, like it's only formal if you're like, I don't know, in like a symphony orchestra for a city. Yeah. And even then I'm sure there's a bunch of fuckery that we oh, don't know I'm about. Sure. Yeah. It's like the wild west, yeah. you know, and th- th- we're not even mentioning, you know, you'll get to like the venue and like the sound guys like tweaking out or like, that's not even to mention the drug craziness right. part of it. Yeah. Like that's totally even another level of that. Mm hmm. Um, and I've never experienced that in a band that I was in, like somebody that had a really serious drug problem, but I've definitely played with other bands on bills that had a really serious drug problem. And it's always been like so much drama at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. I played with this one artist who's actually kind of a big deal. And, uh, they were saying that they never got paid their check, Mm -hmm. which was a substantial check Mm because this was like a music festival. Not really. You know how they do like those daytime fests in little cities. Yeah. yeah. Um, And they said that they never got paid and the talent buyer was like, what are you talking about? Like I gave you your check before you even played. And Mm -hmm. they just went like ballistic and just like flew off the handle and was like, definitely not quite right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that was 
just to add to the craziness, there's a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah. So not only is there disappointment, there's drugs. And a lot of just like mental instability. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, it is a, like a super weird industry. So I guess where I'm going with that is do your research, set realistic expectations. They don't have to be low, but, you know, try your best to understand the business that you're getting into just to save yourself the embarrassment and limit the disappointment as much as you can. Um, because that part is a lot of times people take the disappointment and then it turns into the drugs. Mm -hmm. So like really try to, you know, if you set yourself up for success, you will be successful. But if you have these crazy expectations that are really unrealistic, you're going to have really huge disappointment and that can obviously lead to all kinds of other stuff. Yep. So we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at SDD Podcast. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. And don't forget, have fun, don't do too much, and it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>